Morning church, how you doing? Grab your seats. Hopefully I will bring some biblical teaching today. That's always helpful in church, would you agree? It's a good day to be alive. It is a good day to be alive. Hey, how good was praise and worship? We have an incredible team of worshippers and uh, I noticed Pastor Ryan worked up a bit of a sweat during praise and worship. You always know when praise and worship goes to another level when the worship leader starts sweating. And so uh, we're thankful for the team and all that they bring, and uh, we're just so blessed. This morning I'm going to be reading from James chapter 2. If you do have your Bibles or your phone, I'd love you to bring out James chapter 2. If you don't, we'll throw it up on the screens behind me. A bit of context to James chapter 2. He is talking to believers in the context of faith and action, or faith and good deeds going hand in hand. And so James chapter 2, we're going to read two verses, 15 to 16 says this, suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing, what good does that do? Suppose you see a brother who has no food, no clothing and all you say is, hey, goodbye, Good day, stay warm and eat well, but you actually don't do anything for that person's nourishment or warmth. What good does that do? Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you that it changes us, it molds us, it shapes us, it transforms us. And I pray through your Holy Spirit, God, that you would speak to us today through these words in Jesus' name. Amen. James chapter 2, it observes two people. The first neither has adequate food or clothing, and the other that James chapter 2 mentions has both, but is unwilling to share what they have. Instead, they offer empty and futile words that neither nourish or provide warmth for the person. This morning, I want to share on this idea and speak to this trend of thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers, maybe that's a phrase that you've seen used in the Twitter universe or online and usually it's a phrase when we see the pain of others and it shakes us and it stirs us but not enough to actually do anything about it or take actions and so we say, hey, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. All we offer sometimes is is good intentions and what James chapter 2 is asking is, do empty words fill empty bellies? Do empty words feed empty bellies? See, across the culture in the 21st century, we've seen a change in, in how humanity and also the church responds to crises and suffering. And two postures and two approaches have emerged. The first one is slacktivism. Slacktivism is where we have this word slack and activism and we've meshed it together and the word slacktivism, if you were to uh, look that up, it's doing the bare minimum to feel like you're making a difference or playing your part or taking some action. Slacktivism. And so usually this arrives in the form of an online petition or something in front of our keyboard where we want to make a difference And something pops up on our our illuminated screen and says, hey, if you want to change the world, like and share this post. And you like and share the post and you're like, yes, I've just solved the world's issues. 
Global hunger, fixed, because I did one click. Slacktivism. Or the other one is virtual signaling. Virtual signaling where we raise awareness, but we don't actually take effective action. And this, this is a trend that is starting to plague humanity with crisis and suffering. It, it stirs us and it shakes us and we get emotional about it, but not to the point where we actually want to do something about it. And this is what James is talking about. You might be shaken and you might be stirred by the hungry fellow man, but are you actually prepared to take some action or is it just thoughts and prayers? Thoughts and prayers. You might be asking, well, Jared, do you have a, do you have a problem with prayer? No, not at all. I believe in the power of prayer. Do I have a problem with prayer being used to abdicate our responsibility to take action as followers of Jesus? Yes. And I think sometimes what we do when we pray is we're trying to outsource the action to God. I believe in the power of prayer. But effort without prayer or action without prayer is pride because that says that we don't need God or we don't need the Holy Spirit. But hear me, prayer without action or effort is hypocrisy. We can pray all the prayers on a Sunday morning, but we're not prepared to take any action throughout the week. That's hypocrisy. The greatest explanation of the good news of Jesus Christ is not an explanation on a Sunday morning. It's a demonstration throughout the week. And I believe the vast majority of prayers that we pray as Christian, God has already given us the answer. God has already given us the answer, and that answer is you. And what I'd love you to do is think about the prayers that you pray on the regular. Think about how you communicate to God and what you're asking and requesting of God And there are some things I will acknowledge that are well beyond our control and well outside our universe and they belong to God and we need to pray to God about those things, 100%. But there are other things that we pray for and God is saying to you, I've already given you the answer, have a look in the mirror, the answer is you. And so we pray for things like, God, give me a harmonious and peaceful workplace. And God says the answer is you to, to be the peacemaker in that workplace. God, help my friends to grow closer towards you. You're the bridge, my friend. You're the link in the chain. You're the answer to the prayer that you're already praying. Exodus chapter 3, we, we see this story where Moses, as a Hebrew man, is distressed because his fellow Israel people are in slavery to the Egyptians and Pharaoh. Exodus chapter 3, verses 7, 8, 9, and 10 says this, it talks about where God is speaking to Moses and he says, I have seen and heard the oppression and the cries of my people. Church, we can take great comfort in the fact that God sees and God hears. He is not removed from the situation. So he says to Moses, I've seen the oppression, I've heard the cries of the Israelites. And then verse 8, he says, I've come down to rescue them. We take great comfort that God is a God of action. God sees, God hears, God acts and responds. But then verse 10, the narrative changes in the interaction between God and Moses. And he says to Moses, now go, I'm sending you to free my people. 
Moses cries out to God, God, free my people. God replies, I've seen, I've heard, I'm about to act. And Moses is like, finally, God, you're about to do something about it. And then God says, and I'm sending you. Fast forward a few thousand years later, and it's none too different for us in 2023. We cry out to God, are you deaf, God? And he replies, are you paralyzed? We cry out, God, do something. And he replies, I did, I created you. Take action. No longer just thoughts and prayers. See, I love it when God answers prayer. And no doubt in this room, we've all got a testimony. We've all got a story where God came through for us, where God answered our prayers. But I love it equally as much when God makes you the answer to prayer. It's good when you receive encouragement, but it's great when you are the encouragement. It's good to gain wisdom, but it's great when you are the wisdom. It's good when you get a blessing from God, but how good is it when you are the blessing from God? God says that my house will be a house of prayer throughout Scripture. But rather than just prayers going up and answers coming down, I wonder what churches, and in particular civic church, I wonder what our church would look like if prayers didn't just go up, but rather the answer to those prayers drove out onto Spring Street after a Sunday morning. And we drove out of the driveway into our universities, into our schools, into our workplaces, into our families and friends' circles with the perspective that I am an answer to someone's prayer today. See, a praying church is a healthy church. Amen? A praying church is a healthy church, but a praying and a practical church, oh man, that is a dangerous church to the kingdom of darkness. If the last three years have shown us anything in the perspective of how we're to understand church, Sunday services are are important and essential part of how we do church, but it's one facet of church. God desires his church to be mobile. God desires his church to get outside the four walls or eight walls in our particular context, to get outside the walls and be the answer to someone's prayer. But often we can take the approach of, well, I'm just going to outsource that to the pastoral team. That's Pastor Kerry's job to be the practical help. That's Pastor Brendan's job because that's what he gets paid for. Or even worse, we say, well, that's civic assist job. They're the ones that help the people. I'll just come to church and I'll do my thing and we outsource what God has actually called us to do. Let me tell you, friend, that when we talk about maturity in faith, the maturity in faith is when we get to the place where we actually start taking the eyes off ourselves and we live an other-centered life. And some of us perhaps have been playing in the shallow end of the pool for far too long and it's time for us to take some steps and actually start, rather than just saying thoughts and prayers and being the practical assistant that God has called us to be. John chapter 6 in the New Testament, we see a situation. In fact, we see a problem. We've got a lot of people and not enough food. I wonder if you've ever found yourself in that scenario. A lot of people and not enough food. And many of us would 
know the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. But here's where I want us to take a little bit of a different look at John chapter 6, verse 9. The Bible tells us that the Spirit of God touches a teenager's boy's life and uses him and his lunch. Little bit of fish and a little bit of bread, and he brings it forth by faith, and Jesus multiplies, and it's one of the great miracles that we read about as Jesus walked this earth. God is a God of the impossible. And he could have easily snapped his fingers and brought carbs and coffee raining down from heaven to feed the people. God could have done that. But that would have been the easy way, right? That would have been so easy for God. It kind of reminds me when, when my daughter, Liliana, who's turning 13 very, very soon, when she was much younger and I would be mowing the lawn and she would always ask to help. She'd always want to be involved. Now, would it have been easier for me just to say, you know what, how about you sit this one out, sweetheart? Daddy's just going to finish mowing the lawn. It would have been easier for me to do that. That's the easy way. But what did I do? I invited her to be part of the process. I invited her a part of it. Why? Because we want to build a relationship. God is exactly the same. God can do easy miracles, but he invites his church. He invites you to say, hey, partner with me. Join with me. And so I submit to you today, which is the greater miracle? Coffee and carbs raining from the sky or a teenage boy giving up his food? Some of you haven't been on youth camp, so you have no idea how great a miracle that is. I mean, they are savages. We just feed them with a stick and just hold it back and just say, take it. To get a teenage boy to part with his lunch, that's a miracle. In fact, this exact thing happened to me, not feeding the 5,000, but this exact example happened to me on Friday night. I was at a well-known establishment ordering some healthy food and uh, gave them my name, which they got wrong, which is fine, forgiveness in Jesus' name. And they called out the name after they'd cooked the meal and they yelled out Jerry, which, you know, over the years I've overlooked, it's fine, I'll move on. But another boy in a school uniform, he would have been no, no older than probably 12, 13 he, went, he got there before me, got to the counter before me and took my meal, the audacity of this young man. And I knew it was mine because I ordered before him. And so he's holding on to this meal and I went to grab him and say, hey, mate, Jerry, whatever your name is, you know, how about you spell it correctly? It's Jared. Can I have my meal? And, I, and it was like this tense moment where I had my hand on the meal and he had it on it and, and it was like this standoff. It's like, bro... I know you're 13, I know you're hungry, but that's my meal. To get a teenage boy to part with his lunch, that's the greater miracle. When God invites us to be part of it. See, God is more interested in changing people's hearts like that teenage boy rather than changing people's circumstances. That's the greater miracle. He's far more interested in changing people's hearts than people's circumstances. So here's a few thoughts on how you and I can move from thoughts and prayers to becoming an answer to prayer. Inconvenience. I'd encourage you to build a mentality into your daily routine that being inconvenienced could actually be obstacles camouflaged as opportunities. 
What we see as obstacles or inconvenience could actually be a divine appointments and opportunities, windows from heaven for you to be an answer to someone's prayer. A couple of months ago, I was at uh, the, the, the can recycling place doing my bit for the environment. And as I was placing the cans in the thing and, you know, getting your money back as, as the process goes, this, this gentleman came up to me who was an employee of the cash for cans. And he came up to me and said, hey, is that your car out the front there? I said, yeah, it is. And he said, oh, um, is it a good car? And I was like, that is a really weird question to ask. He said, is it a good car? And I said, you know what? If I had my time again, I probably wouldn't have bought it. And then he said, oh, I've just bought a car exactly like that. I was like, great. Well done, Jared. And he begins to talk to me about, you know, the, 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 the specs on the car. And he's like, you know, what's the fuel injectors like? What's the turbo like? And I said, look, mate, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know a lot about cars. When I turn the key, it starts. And that's, you know, I'm content with that. And he just kept talking about this new car that he, that he bought. And then, you know, I'd finished with pretty much came to the end of recycling my cans. And he said, oh, if you've got a... Mo-, actually, one of the other staff members came up to him and said, oh, are you bothering the, the customers again? And he's like, oh, you know, not really. And it was just in that moment that I felt, you know what, this guy is reaching out. He is looking for some kind of human connection. I didn't didn't know anything about his life. It was like a a three-minute interaction. Then he said to me, right towards the end of this interaction, he said, oh, if you've got a moment, would you like to come and have a look at my new car? And I just felt in that moment there was a desperate plea from a middle-aged man just to have some kind of human interaction. And to my shame, I said, you know what, mate, I've actually got uh, 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 some other errands to run. I didn't. I just didn't want to be inconvenienced with an awkward conversation with a complete stranger. I got back to my car and I sat in there and as I went to turn the key, I just felt the Holy Spirit so strongly say, that was a window of opportunity. Now, did I go back in and say, hey, I'd really like to, you know, see your car? No, I didn't. But it's those moments of inconvenience. You don't get any warning. No trumpets from heaven saying, this is a divine appointment. You don't get that. It's just those moments of time And it's often in reflection, in hindsight, you're like, you know what? That could have meant something so much to that man. If I just had got my eyes off myself and my own selfish ways, I could have made that guy's day. I could have added value to his life. Isn't that that what we're here to do? Let's be, build a mentality into our daily routine that being inconvenienced could be obstacles, camouflages, opportunities. Here's another thought. Proximity produces passion. Proximity produces passion. Don't allow the increase of technology to decrease and distance face-to-face human interaction. I'm all for technology, but it is a servant, not a master. Because when we have proximity to pain and people, it produces a passion. You and I, we can sit in our lounge room and sit on a couch and we can see television ads about all the pain and human suffering that's going on in our world and I guarantee you we're probably on our phone or we're desensitized to the pleas and the cries of humanity. But if you were to remove yourself out of the lounge and you were actually to be face-to-face with that human pain and suffering, your perspective would change. And I guarantee it would produce a passion within you different to what you had. Why? It's the distance. Proximity produces passion. I'm all for online church, friend. I'm all for online church. 
But if Jesus was only ever about online, he would have never left heaven. Bible says that he left heaven to come to earth and that when he looked at the crowds and he saw the pain, he had what? He had compassion. What's the difference? The proximity. He got close to people's pain and suffering and it produced a compassion within him. It's the same for us. Technology is a servant, not a master. Here's the third one. Use what's in your hand. If we were to go back to Moses and Pharaoh and that story in Exodus chapter 4, God says to Moses, Moses, see the staff, see the stick that you have in your hand, throw it out on the ground. And Moses is like, why would I do that? And God's like, would you just throw the stick on the ground? And so Moses throws the stick on the ground, the staff on the ground, and it slithers into a snake. Pretty cool trick. What's the principle? What's the lesson that you and I learn? All Moses saw was a staff and a stick, but God saw something different. All Moses had in his hand was a staff or a stick, but when we submit it to God, God can use it to change lives. Nothing that you have is something that God needs, but everything that you have is something that he can use. Nothing that you have is, something, is nothing that God needs, but everything that you have is something that he can use. What's in your hand right now, friend? that you could use to be the answer to someone's prayer. Well, I have a car. Well, you could drive someone to the doctor. You could drive someone to a medical appointment. I have a lawnmower. You could mow someone's lawn. What's in your hand, friend? What has God placed in your hand? What has God blessed you with that you could be a blessing to others so we don't just stay at thoughts and prayers? I believe preaching is not always to be agreed with, but it's to be wrestled with. So here's some questions as I finish that I'd love us to wrestle with heading into our weeks. First question, how do you think heaven comes to earth? Is it through some miraculous trumpet, God-ordained moment, or is it through His people? Bringing heaven to earth in how we treat people and how we can become the answer to someone's prayer. How do we see heaven coming to earth? Second question to wrestle with. What would your life look like if you started seeing yourself as an answer to prayer? If your perspective changed when you wake up tomorrow and you thought, you know what? Today could be the day or I could be the answer to someone's prayer. Whose prayers could you answer this week? That's not to give us a God complex. I'm, I'm certainly not suggesting that. We know that God is the Alpha and the Alpha, but God uses His people. We are His hands and His feet. God gets all the glory. When Jesus fed the 5,000, it wasn't the boy that got the glory. It was God. Is there a need right now that you are perfectly positioned to do something about? And you've sat on it for far too long. And here's the last one. What if we saw prayer and action intertwined? So they're not, obs- they're, they're, they're not separate. They're not two separate disciplines. But the way that we prayer is reinforced by our action, which is exactly where we started in James chapter 2. That's what he's proposing. That's what he's suggesting to believers. What if you saw prayer and action? It's not one or the other. It's both. Prayer and action together. We need God. 
And for some of us, we, we, we say things like, God, I'm, I'm just waiting on you to speak, to, to, to tell me what to do. And God's like, I'm waiting on you to move. I'm waiting on you to take some action. Or we say things in church like, it's just a season for me. Friend, when a season goes beyond six months, it's no longer a season, it's a pattern. It's a habit. And it may not be a healthy habit. No longer thoughts and prayers. But we're people of action and faith. You know, I've thought about this idea of being the answer to someone's prayer. On our fridge at home, we have a, we have a picture of a child from Kenya through Compassion, great organization that is helping free children from poverty. And every morning, every lunch, you know, I see this child on our fridge. But it wasn't until I started thinking about this idea that there could have been a mum in Kenya, there could have been a dad or an auntie or an uncle in Kenya that was praying for their child to be released from poverty. Thousands of miles away in a country called Australia where we ride kangaroos to school, there was a family called the Alchins that said, you know what, we want to sponsor a child. And it's as simple as that. God gets the glory, not us. But because we said, oh, you know, thoughts and prayers to the country of Kenya. Thoughts and prayers for the issues that everybody else is suffering. I'm, I'm not saying that you have to sponsor every cause that comes across your table. But you'll know, the Holy Spirit will say, now is the time, do something. It could be as far away as Kenya or it could be as close as your next door neighbor. No longer thoughts and prayers, but let's be people of action. Come on, why don't you stand with me? Heavenly Father, when we consider the overwhelming pain and suffering that our world experiences every single day. God, that our hearts would be led by your Holy Spirit to that pain. God, no longer would we just be stirred and shaken emotionally to the point where we're like, it's just good intentions. We actually step through the threshold and we actually take some action. We actually get some skin in the game. We actually step out of our comfort zone. We all have spheres of influence in which we operate. And even as I'm praying right now, God, let there be names and faces dropping into people's hearts, gathered in this service. That when we exit this building, no longer is it just prayers going up and answers coming down, but it'd be prayers, answers to prayers going out the driveway into our week, that we would be your hands and feet, that you would get the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Where his hands and his feet so that he gets the glory, amen. God bless you. Have a great week and we'll see you next week in church.